This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, NFL and NCAA analyst Robert Turbin. Turbo, how's it going? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's going good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we've got two big games this Sunday. Obviously, Chiefs at Ravens opening up the slate at noon. And then at 3 p.m., we're going to watch the Detroit Lions try to get to their very first Super Bowl. Uh, Who do you like in the AFC matchup? Well, I like the Ravens. I love the way that Lamar Jackson described the matchup as a heavyweight bout. You know, like uh, like if we were to see a Tyson and Ali type thing or Ali Frazier for maybe a better analogy. But, you know, two of the best quarterbacks in the league going toe-to-toe. I can't wait to see how it turns out, but I think the Ravens will pull it out in the end. I'm with you, Turbo. I think the Ravens pull it out. I think they have um, the more complete team. And I think it, it means more to Lamar Jackson if he were to get this win. What? I've been hearing a lot of people talk about Lamar Jackson, his style of play, who he is, the position that he plays. What does a win do for Lamar, even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl championship, but just getting there, uh, what do you think that does for his legacy? Yeah, I think it changes, you know, uh, the trajectory of of his career, which is already on a Hall of Fame type trajectory. But, you know, it it kind of puts all the naysayers to the side uh, as it pertains to the things that he went through after he was drafted, going 32nd, and, you know, maybe some of the doubters, uh, you know, and his inability to actually play the quarterback position. But I also think, Bump, that it, it, it you know, kind of changes the narrative as far as the style of play that's needed at that position in order to win a title. You know, maybe he becomes an anomaly to a certain degree, but – with that style of play, you win a championship uh, and other guys who have a similar play style now come into the league with a certain level of confidence saying like, hey, if Lamar Jackson can win a title and you know I have a similar playing style, an organization who's evaluating quarterbacks with similar play styles, now sort of feel like they can win titles as well. Hey, Turbo, all of that being said, and I have the same pick, I don't disagree, is there also a little voice in, in your head going, don't you dare pick against Patrick Mahomes? Always, always. It's, so, it's, hard, not to, it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. I think that the, 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 the one thing when I look at the Chiefs this season, first of all, it's amazing that they've even made it this far. Not yeah. saying that the team is a bad team, we know defensively this has been a better defense, uh, you know, one of the better defenses that they've had you know, so far this season outside of the playoffs. I don't think they've played relatively well in the playoffs so far. Uh, but it's the other guys. It, it's, you know, it's the team around Patrick Mahomes outside of maybe Isaiah Pacheco and Rasheed Rice, who've been two consistent guys, uh, and obviously Travis Kelsey. But other guys are going to have to make plays. The Ravens' defense is so good at taking away your key players and forcing other guys to make plays, and it's going to be interesting to see. They were able to do it in Buffalo. MVS has some great catches, et cetera, but are they going to be able to do it again on the road in Baltimore? I'm not so sure, and that's why I got them falling short. All right, let's go to the other side of the bracket then, Turbo. We got 
Detroit Lions against the San Francisco 49ers Turbo. I look at these two quarterbacks, and they're so comparable. You look at the passing yards, the touchdowns, the interceptions. Uh, one gets a lot of love because he plays for the Niners. He's um, an MVP finalist. The other one gets some love, but not the love I think he deserves. I think he should have been mentioned in the MVP um, race as well. If you just look at the numbers that he has compared to Brock Purdy. What do you make of that matchup, and uh, who do you expect to, um, to win that one? Well, I got the Lions. I think the Lions can go on the road and beat the 49ers, especially with the uncertainty of Debo Samuel. Debo just makes the 49ers offense so much more dynamic. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Brock Purdy because obviously he's been excellent and he's well-deserving of being in the MVP conversation. Uh, but, you know, you, you really get to uh, an opportunity to display who you are when you don't have your weapons. And I get it. You know, fourth quarter last week, uh, you know, he drove the team down the field and was able to, you know, obviously get a win in the end. Uh, but if you're not having your key guy for a full game, uh, it definitely changes things. Um, but so I like the Lions. I think, you know, with, with Jared Goff, you mentioned him being in the MVP conversation, but I think he's had some inconsistencies this season. Uh, you watch him on tape. You watch some of those games. You know he's he's you know he's susceptible to having those kind of slow starts, and I think that's what kind of uh, holds them back a little bit. But if there's a team that can go to San Francisco or Santa Clara rather uh, and get a win on the road in the playoffs, it's Detroit. Did uh, the 49ers' struggles, whether it was against the Packers, whether it was in that three-game losing streak, kind of bring up ideas for you about like, oh, this is how they can be beat? I'm sorry, say that again. Uh, the 49ers struggles this year, whether it was like against the Packers or whether it was in their losing streak uh, earlier this season. Um, do you start to kind of get an idea of how you can get the better of a 49ers team? I think anytime, you know, teams uh, lose and, and, and struggle and, and throughout football games and they have that three game losing streak, there's always some things that you can look at and say, you know, where are those holes at, you know, where are those weaknesses for the 49ers? It's hard to it's hard to recognize those with the 49ers face, but they do have them. Uh, the key for the Lions is they got to take care of the football, be disciplined from a penalty standpoint, and not give the 49ers extra opportunities. They almost lost that game against the Packers, but the Packers kept giving them extra opportunities to win that game at the end. And you know when you're dealing with a team like the 49ers who are that good. They don't. They don't need extra chances. You know, they can usually win just in the four, uh, and so that's where the Lions, I think, you know, are going to have to take advantage of those opportunities in order to overcome a really good Forty ers team. Um, we got the running back on on the line right now, so I'm gonna ask you about the running backs. I'm gonna leave Christian McCaffrey out of this. We all know he's the best running back um, that's left in these games. But I look at I look at Pacheco, young talent. All right, I look at uh, Jameer Gibbs, young talent. And then uh, I guess I'll throw Lamar and Gus Edwards over there when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, minus the San Francisco 49ers. Um, who who do you like best when it comes to the run game? You know, I'm just going to minus, forget it, get Baltimore out of there too, because I think the easy one's going to say going to be Lamar <laughs> and Gus out of the, the Kansas City Chiefs and, and Detroit, because Kansas City Turbo, man, they're a different team now, right? They're running the rock, they're playing great football, and we all know what Detroit brings to the run game. Uh, which run game do you like the, the best out of those two? Yeah, that's a really good question, Bum, because Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City, I love his running style. 
always keeps his move, uh, feet moving, high knees when he runs, and he's aggressive every time he gets the ball. He's an aggressive runner. I love that about him. But it's hard to go against a one-two punch combo in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in Detroit. Jameer Gibbs led the league this year in plays that went for 20-plus yards, so that shows you the explosiveness that he has and some of the creativity, the creativity that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, has uh, with this Detroit Lions offense. And then for David Montgomery, uh, just being sort of that hammer downhill, being able to break tackles, scoring in the goal line and things like that, that one-two combo has been pretty lethal this season. And so i got to lean with Detroit. Hey, we've been talking about a couple of different head coaching candidates for the Seahawks here, Turbo, and we've covered all kinds of ideas. Today, we're kind of on like younger versus older as a theme. So we've previously done like defense versus offense. Uh, do you think yeah. that in today's NFL, uh, a younger coordinator is just going to have an easier time connecting with guys? Or do you think that, you know, older coaches can still connect? No, I think older coaches can definitely still connect. I think where the league is training, though, obviously – is wanting to hire offensive, well, offensive head coaches yeah. just because it's so difficult, Stace, to keep a really good offensive coordinator. So, you know, let's say, for instance, Mike Vrabel gets hired. You know, he hires, hires an offensive coordinator, and, you know, Geno goes out and, and has a career year. Well, similar to, like, Dave Canales, who spent one season right. in Tampa Bay, and now he's the head coach. In Carolina, you saw he, what he was able to do with Baker Mayfield. He's going to be gone. And now then you're searching for a new offensive coordinator. And, you know, and since 2022, every single team in the NFL has had a new offensive coordinator. It's been kind of crazy. So uh, if you want to legit sort of keep, uh, you know, your offense, I guess, you know, together main, you know, and, and consistent, you want to gear towards maybe a younger uh, offensive mind, like a Sean McVay. Al Shanahan, I think, is a little older. But that is the trend the NFL is going towards right now. It's a copycat league, Turbo. We know that, man. Um, you remember the days when the Wildcat was hot for a season when Miami tried to do that thing with Cadillac back there? Yeah, and they, I do. They give it a go, and it, it just didn't work, right? They start to figure things out. But there's one thing I think that's going to stay is quarterbacks being able or coordinators spreading the ball out and quarterbacks throwing it all across the yard. Um, and, and when I think about the offenses of today, when you spread these guys out, obviously you get less numbers in the box, right? What, what type of scheme would you prefer to play in as a running back? Would you prefer to play in the we're going to pack you in like a like the Niners in Baltimore at times or, or a spread you out and run the football like Kansas City used to do in some of what Detroit does? Well, look at the four teams that are in, you know, these championship games right now. But really the only team that you can describe as sort of a quote-unquote spread you out type of team is Kansas City. But that's not the formula that they've been using to win games. You know, they've, they've had these sort of uh, title formations, more 11 personnel, which is great, but they've been – you know, they've been shouldering, they've been putting a lot on the shoulders of Isaiah Pacheco. But then if you look at Detroit, Baltimore, 49ers, these are teams that are under center a lot, which is not necessarily the trend, quote-unquote, in the NFL today. The trend in the NFL these days is 
you know, sitting in shotgun. You know, the Eagles, they had 4% of their pass plays come from under center this season, but mm. three total plays in the regular season passing came from under center three. That's like, that's like college. That's like, that's like college or high school ball, you know, but that doesn't always lead to winning football, even though that's the trend. And so I think for me, yeah, I, I, as a runner, I want to play in a Lions uh, offense. I want to play in a 49ers type offense because we're under center. It allows me to get the ball from the dot, which really opens things up more than being spread out all the time where the defense bump can actually see you more easily and kind of get a get more of a jump on where you may be getting the football and where this run may be going on this play. He is Robert Turbin, NFL analyst, former Seahawk, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Turbo, enjoy these games this weekend. Thanks, Turbo. All right, you too. Thanks for having me. See ya. Let's get to four down territory. This is four down territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down. We heard about it yesterday. What do you like about the Raheem Morris hire for the Atlanta Falcons? One, I hate it because I figured he was going <laughs> to be in the mix with the Seattle Seahawks. But maybe just look at this guy and his journey. It's been 13 years since he was a head coach. Um, I mentioned he was also a wide receivers coach. He's been on both sides, defensive backs and wide receivers. In 2016 through 19, he was in Atlanta, ironically. He coached up Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, and Calvin Ridley. This guy is coached up a future Hall of Famer in Julio Jones. And I heard Sanu on some ESPN program on the radio yesterday, and he said the reason why he thinks he went to the offensive side is one, game perspective, and two, show that he can connect with both sides of the football. There are a lot of times where an offensive coach just talks to the offensive guys, right? I don't have a relationship with the defense. Right. I'm not going to go over there. Morris has shown that he can do both. Also, he played with, I think, possibly a Hall of Fame quarterback in Matt Ryan. We saw, see, he didn't win a, a Super Bowl, but his numbers are crazy. Um, and he's felt... The success of uh, winning a Super Bowl and the defeat of losing one. He was part of that team that lost to the New England Patriots. So you look at everything that he's been through, everything that he's done. Offensive guy, defensive guy, defensive coordinator, coach quarterback, coach receivers, was a head coach, won a Super Bowl, lost a Super Bowl. I look at that situation over there and I go, man, it was a great hire. I just wish that uh, he would have held out a little longer and let the Seahawks put their bid in. But I love the hire over there in Atlanta. Um... I think he has some of the most pressure on him when it comes to winning. We look at that division. It is wide open. We'll see what Tampa Bay looks like. But Morris, man, I've heard nothing but good things about him. He's great on paper. Um, He's a leader. He's younger, 47 years old. I think he's a great hire. Also yet another hire from the Washington then Redskins coaching staff in 2013. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel. Bobby Slowick would make it six. Crazy. Not from Adam Bobby (laughs) Schmerner. Second down. (laughs) needs to reemerge in the search for the Seahawks head coach. All right, so we've narrowed it down to two guys who we think they're going to be looking at. Dan Quinn and um, our guy Mike McDonald's Mm -hmm. over there with the Ravens. But there's a name that's just been slowly disappearing, and I think if you're looking at Dan Quinn, you got to look at this guy. You know what I'm talking about? No. Look at that Vrabel. What what happened to him? Remember when he got... when, when, uh, when they didn't cut him, they fired him over in uh, Tennessee. We're thinking, oh, Vrabel, yeah. what would he bring to this uh, every team? Every other text. Defensive you saw guy. It? Yeah, exactly. Like, what happened to him? Like, Raheem Morris is gone. Okay, leave that alone. 
if we're going to focus on Dan Quinn, you cannot forget about variable. I had to go back to my notes from weeks ago and look at what this guy has done and remind people. He's had two losing seasons with Tennessee in six years. All right. Um, he's made the playoffs a couple times. He's had a top scoring offense in 2019 and 2020. Top 10 rushing offense four times, 18, 19, 20, and 21. We all know who's the catalyst for that thing. He's had a top 10 rushing defense two times in 2021 and in 2022. Last year, they were 13th. We're talking about Dan Quinn and his experience and him knowing how to be a head coach, him being a leader. Throw Mike back into this conversation. All right. I think um, I think McDonald's should be the young guy you're looking at by yourself. All right. Defensive guy innovative coaching a three four over there with the ravens it all makes sense but since belichick is not an option i don't think he's an option over here jim harbaugh is gone i think raheem was like our third favorite mike Vrabel, get him back into the conversation you know what Vrabel isn't what that new new ain't that new new see that's the thing exactly. mike mcdonald the second it, it's like the analogy i use with your kids mm-hmm. i don't have kids i can't use the analogy of like <laughs> okay do you want cookies no and then you the other one does and all of a sudden the first kid is like wait i do that what's that what's right. that guy getting that's 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 mike mcdonald with all of us it was no one wanted dan quinn uh, well, everyone was fine with Dan Quinn, but then Dan Quinn had that uh, horrible performance from his defense in the playoffs. Then everyone was like, what about Mike Vrabel? What about Mike Vrabel? And then all of a sudden we're in love with Mike McDonald. And it's like, Vrabel who? Yeah. And I, and two, five, three. Why would we want someone who got fired? Guys get fired all everyone the time in the league. Everyone gets fired. Everyone gets fired. Bill Shanahan's Belichick's been, been fired. fired. Shanahan in the, in the NFC Championship, again, third year in a row. Everyone gets fired at Everyone's some point. Everyone's been fired. Because it wasn't a good fit over there anymore. Doesn't mean it won't be a good fit here. I'm not saying you go in and get that guy, but I'm saying if you're looking at Dan Quinn, who's been yes. fired as well, yes. all right, you got to look at Mike Vrabel as well. There's a lot of, I mean, Pete Carroll in his first stint, uh, Bill Belichick in an early stint. Uh, <laughs> um, Everyone gets fired. Pete, you said Pete Carroll already? Pete, Pete Carroll's been fired. He's with the fired. Patriots. Yeah. Bill Belichick's been fired with the Browns. Goodness gracious. It just happens. It, like, it's a circle of people life. People were talking about whether Mike Tomlin would get fired. It's just the the some of the people making the hiring and firing decisions are not football people. And they're also incredibly impatient and they're focused on winning and patience runs out. Mm-hmm. Third down. What advantage do the remaining quarterbacks have over their ops in the conference title matchups this weekend? The ops. The ops. I'm telling you. All right. Great so we got spot. Lamar versus Pat Mahomes. Lamar's more mobile, obviously. 821 yards on the ground. He led the team in rushing. Pat Mahomes, he's responsible. He has 29 throwaways. But you know what? The boys over there also got 39 drops. I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs receivers to the Baltimore Ravens, 22 drops. Lamar's done a great job avoiding pressure in the pocket. He's only been hit 29 times in the pocket. You look at Pat Mahomes, 65 times. Where it levels out, both of these guys have good offensive coordinators, right? We're loving what Monk is doing over there, and we love what Andy Reid has been doing for his whole life in the NFL. Lamar has 27 big plays in the past game. He has four big plays rushing. Pat Mahomes has 52 big plays in the past game, two when it comes to rushing. So those are some uh, some advantages, some similarities or whatnot. When it all comes down to it, I think the better team is going to win. I think Pat Mahomes is the better quarterback, obviously. He's been there. He's done that. He has a track record of success. But I look at Baltimore and Lamar and his advantages when it comes to being mobile, when it comes to being good in the pocket, when it comes to running the football, when it comes to leading his team. This just might be his moment. So he might not have too many advantages over Pat Mahomes, but he has enough. Now let's go to golf and Purdy. 
You look at Jared Goff, 5-3 and three in the playoffs, one Super Bowl appearance. He's got some experience. Purdy's 3-1 in the playoffs, one NFC Championship appearance. If you call it that, he got hurt, didn't finish the game. Golf has more air yards than our guy Purdy. 2,428, not too far behind. You got Purdy with 2,226. You know how many drops the 49ers have as a receiving core? How many? Yeah. I know the Chiefs led the league. I'm going to yeah. say the 49ers have like single digits. Nine. Oh Nine God. drops. I hate how talented they are. They I hate do it. not drop the football. You look at golf in the game. They got 35 of them things. And then I think it comes down to the coordinators again. You got Shanahan. He's been a coordinator in this league since 2008. 8 through 23, he's been calling plays to, at some capacity. You look at Ben Johnson. That's that new new. I only his second year as a coordinator over there. Now, you look at Jared Goff, he's been blitzed like crazy 212 times, Purdy 142 times. Goff is good with pressure, so is, so, did I say Brady? Sorry, Brock Purdy. So is uh, Brock Purdy. They're both good with pressure. I think it comes down to guys making plays with the football in their hands and being where they're supposed to be. You heard Brock Purdy also say, look, man, we had a discussion with Ray Ray McLeod and that, that one interception, I guess. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He took ownership of that. We're watching this young man mature, but I'm leaning with our guy Turbo towards the Lions. I think the Niners are going to win. I want the Lions to win. Um, I think they're more experienced at the quarterback position. But again, you're only as good as your cast. We'll see who shows up. There's some advantages and disadvantages of the ops. Uh, Before I get to fourth down, people were sending in more uh, well-known, famous, successful head coaches who were fired. Andy Reid being Mm -hmm. another one. I'll also say about Dan Quinn, uh, the Falcons, have they been to a Super Bowl since he was there? Nope. 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 (laughs) Like, has a team succeeded without that guy is another important question. Fourth down. Let's talk free agents. Who's a free agent you would love to sign, but you know you have absolutely no chance of getting? Absolutely no chance because he says he's retiring. You know what I'm oh, talking about? Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. How amazing would that be, Jason Kelsey, as yeah. your center for the Seahawks? I will take like, a 52-year-old Jason Kelsey here under center. Give me two years. That's the position where the Hawks – now, the offensive line has been a shuffle regardless. But at that center spot, you haven't had a guy at center where you just felt at ease. I think Britt gave, himself a, gave this team a few years back in the day. Now he's with the Cleveland Browns having himself a good year. Um, I would love to have a Kelsey, man. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've looked at that center position and been like, the Seahawks are good. I've looked at the guard positions and said, okay, they're good enough. Damian Lewis and say Gabe Jackson. I've looked at the uh, the tackle spot and say, okay, they're good enough. Let's develop, especially with these young guys. I don't remember looking at that center spot and just feeling completely secure about the situation, mm-hmm. man. Um, if I'm the Seahawks, it's a dream, dream of mine. Go ahead and uh, text Kelsey, see if he's up. Throw some dollars at him, see what he does. Um, an answer to a question I'm going to throw on, because I think it's a good one. Earlier in your first three downs, you were talking about different head coaching candidates and you know guys you would like to have and possible coordinators. Uh, John and Everett from the 206 says, is it possible to hire Mike McDonald as head coach and Ajaro Evero as defensive coordinator, assuming Canales wants to bring in his own staff? Now, if Canales' as head coach moves on from Evero, yes. Although, uh, not only with Ajaro, I think with a couple other guys, teams can block lateral moves so they can block you from mm-hmm. interviewing for dc jobs which i think is what they've done there with evero um they can block you from interviewing likewise for oc jobs and the only way but they can't block you for getting a promotion so for a lot of these coordinators i understand the thing of like oh, what about ben johnson is oc and mike mcdonald is head coach or mike mcdonald is dc some of these teams block any lateral moves for their guys that they really like um and so that is what will probably keep the Seahawks from being able to do that. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app coming up in the timeline. An Oregon State University freshman won big on a half-court shot. Don't go anywhere.
This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. It's The Timeline on Bump and Stacy, reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timeline. We're going to get started in the NBA, where last night LeBron James became the first player to be named to 20 all-star teams. Those are consecutive, by the way. That passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the most all-star nods in NBA history. Said LeBron, I give credit and a lot of respect to my fans who have been along with me through this whole 21-year journey. Voting me in as an all-star starter for the 20th consecutive time, I'm just very humbled. Overrated. <laughs> he ain't Kobe. No, nah, I'm just playing, man. Um, good for LeBron. He uh, he's the definition of longevity, man. Uh, it's it's crazy watching him do his thing at 38 years old. I do my little workouts in the morning and stuff, and think that I'm fit and in shape. I couldn't imagine <laughs> playing Take that father time 48, 40 plus minutes in an NBA game where you handle the rock most of the time. You're playing up against. Um, Guys, kids that you used to Averaging play against. Averaging 25 points per game. It's, it's crazy, man, to see him do what he does, man. Well-deserved, and um, he's on Mount Rushmore do for sure. Do you think sometimes we just pointlessly hate on greatness? Like, I think there are people that don't like LeBron James because he's very outspoken about what he thinks politically, and obviously anytime you talk about what you think politically, you're going to have people that are on the other side of the spectrum that disagree with you. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that some people just, you know, write him off, oh, he's, you know— Maybe like not he's old, he's still performing, but they just kind of get tired of greatness and they they stop crediting him. And it's like this guy has done things we've never seen done before. Yeah, my my journey has been the opposite. You know, I've um, I've grown to appreciate his greatness Mm. because I didn't really like the style of his game. I thought he was one dimensional, just really athletic can only get to the rack as he's gotten older. I believe he's shooting the best he's ever shot in his career from three point land this year. Um, his mid-range game has been on point. As he's gotten older, I've, I've appreciated him. It, probably because I identify with him, man. You know, 38 years old. I'm like, for him to still be doing the things that he does in the fashion, um, it's impressive, man. But, yes, I think people get – you get used to it. And then when it's gone, then you realize how um, how influential he was. Are you ready for some golf stories? Always. Uh, do you remember Anthony Kim? Of course I do. According to a golf.com report, Anthony Kim, now 38 years old, is eyeing a potential return to pro tournaments sometime this spring. As you, as you guys could recall, Kim was a standout on the PGA Tour for four seasons, then disappeared for over a decade after undergoing surgery to repair an Achilles injury to his left leg. This was back in 2012. He hasn't played in a professional tourney since. You don't understand how excited this makes me. I truly do not. You don't. I literally had to double check that, like, you remember this guy, right? Oh, of course. I started my golf journey when he started his professional journey back in like 2008 and 9. And he was like the cool um, Tiger Woods, Woods alternative, right? Tiger <laughs> even endorsed him and said he's going to be next up. Um, he was like a party boy from Arizona. He was what every weekend golfer wanted to be. They identified with Kim, and then he has this um, this injury to his Achilles, and he's out. Yeah. Now, uh, he has an insurance policy that's holding up negotiations to get him back in. It's worth $10 million. If he plays, then that insurance uh, deal is uh, is voided. But uh, Liv, Liv Golf, obviously, got in and said, look, we'll pay you that $10 million if you just come back. So now he's got leverage. He's sitting there with Liv. He's sitting there with PGA. PGA will get him in, and and he'll have the role of um, former champion or whatnot. So he'll be exempt to get in tournaments. So now he's in a position of uh, of leverage, man. I hope to see him back. It's going to be weird seeing him at 38 and not, uh, what, 26 was the last time that we saw him. Great story. Anthony Kim, please come back. His last PGA Tour win was uh, in 2010. Again, hasn't played in 
any since 2012. Um, how would you rate like the most pure or best swings in golf right now? Because people are, I don't know enough, but people are posting all about Anthony Kim. Never forget just how beautiful and pure his swing you. was. And you listen to the man talk, Stacy. Don't look at his picture. Just listen to his voice. It don't match. It don't match. <laughs> Next golf story. Let's go. We got to America's, it's a golf show. America's newest golf sensation, Nick Dunlap, announced that he's turning pro. This was yesterday, just four days after missing out on a $1.5 mm. million payday due to his amateur status. He currently attends Alabama. He's a sophomore there. He announced his intention to accept the PGA Tour membership at a press conference staged on campus. He became the first amateur to win on the tour in over 30 years. Crazy. Three decades since somebody has done that. He missed wow. out on one. $1.5 million, million because he's an amateur. He won and was looking at that fake check and was like, I get none of that. I get absolutely none of that. And um, and good for him. I hope because he's won that tournament, sponsors are going to take care of him and um, and allow him to continue his dream, man, because that's awesome to see, man. An amateur doing his thing mm-hmm. um, against the pros. Missed out on a million dollars. Goodness gracious. $1.5 Don't forget that extra $500,000. I'm sorry. I feel bad for the kid, but I, I also understand that um, – He'll make that back eventually. Um, but, 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 but two bits of feedback here. Uh, one going back to LeBron getting his 20th All-Star nod. 509 says, Dame is an All-Star silly. Multiple East guards deserving over him. I get the game is for the fans, but fans are dumb. You agree that Dame is not a deserving guard to be representing the Eastern Conference Dame as a starter? Dalla. He's one of those guys. So as soon as you, you get in one time, uh, you're probably good to go. I mean, did you not see the game winner that he hit? Now, I'm trying to look up his stats to kind of see where he's at. He's 16th in the league when it comes to scoring, 25 a game. Um, no, I think um, ability-wise, yes, Dame is deserving. Popularity-wise, yes, Dame is deserving. But, um, you know, NBA fans are kind of weird, man. It's like you only pay attention to, like, the top 10, 15 players. It's kind of how the sport goes. Exactly. Man. You know, like, Joel Embiid will be a, a – a all-star forever, Luca forever, Giannis forever. Once you get in a certain amount of times, just like in the Pro Bowl, it's almost like an automatic bid. You got to fall off and be injured. And even if you do that, you still might get voted in. So there are probably a couple of dudes who are more deserving when it comes to stats or whatnot, mm-hmm. but that's Dame Dollar. You did, did you not see the game winner he just hit from did Dame and the logo? It? Goodness gracious. The 206, another one. This is with our um, uh, golf stories. Justin Thomas has a beautiful swing. I asked you about some yeah. of the most beautiful, pure yeah. swings in golf. Uh who did you have as, like, number one where you're like, I could watch this guy. I could just go to a driving range and watch him. Freddie Couples all day. Really? Till this day. Seattle local. It is so smooth. And actually, I got to play around behind uh, VJ Singh as well. He's out of Fiji. He's still got a beautiful swing as an old guy. I'm dating myself now because those are the guys I grew up watching play, and now they're on the senior tour. Goodness gracious. Thoughts and prayers. Hey, Charlie, uh, Charlie Woods got a good swing, too. <laughs> There you, go. there you go. Bring it back Bring down. It back. I'm going all, all the way, way back down. down. 13 year old. <laughs> Kaylin Clark, and I got a TikTok. <laughs> Kaylin Clark's 2022 Super Factor Rookie Autograph Trading Card just sold at auction for $78,000. That breaks a record for a woman's basketball card. The only other female athlete with a high-selling trading card is Serena Williams, mm. who sold a 2003 autographed card for $120,000. The highest-selling basketball card, uh, or excuse me, baseball card ever is Steph Curry's um, 2009-10 Panini National Treasures card. Uh, da, 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 sold for, oh my God. Goodness gracious. $5.9 in 2021. 
Get that uh, Caitlin Clark card right now. Get it now. Because it's going to be worth millions here pretty soon. She is a stone cold killer on the court. I just wish she could, um, you know, run through a fan and not do a 360 and flop on the ground. Caitlin, we, we saw have, you, Caitlin. We love everybody you. everybody worried about storming the dang court. Yeah. We saw you, but we love you, but we saw you. We synced it. We synced it with, mm-hmm. with our eyeballs. Yep. Um, uh, I will say, you know, not to spend your money how you want. I'm not going to watch anyone's pockets, but I will judge their pockets. <laughs> and 5.9 million is that you have too much money. You have dumb money and you're spending it on dumb things. You're uh, almost a billionaire if you're spending money like that. 5.9 million on a trading card. On a trading card. Like, do what you want, right? You would hear, you've heard stories of billionaires not even billionaires just celebrities spending ridiculous sums of money on things like naomi campbell buys a 300 dollars lotion really <laughs> to use all yes it's it's la mer it's for your face it's 300 dollars ish uh and she buys it to use all over her body which means she's buying a lot more than what you know what i mean yeah. it's like i mean she's so beautiful well, she looks maybe great. it works yeah maybe it works what, she like 50 but i'm just saying celebrities spend stupid money on stupid things that being said Five point nine. My wife would say I spend stupid money on stupid things like golf, though. Yeah, she, but every really this much a month for golf, I go. It's necessary. It keeps my sanity. I can't play in the church then leagues that's anymore. That's not stupid money. Okay. Well, to Why can't someone you play who in the church leagues I ain't, I ain't blowing my knee or Achilles. Oh, I ain't okay. Doing I thought that. you got kicked out. I was nah, hoping nah, there was a... <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> I was hoping it was I'm like... I'm good with the Lord. We good. I was hoping it was like, I can't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not supposed to say anything. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We've talked about there being just two jobs left for the remaining NFL head coaching candidates. But where are we actually at with those candidates right now? And who are they? Let's revisit their resumes next. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Bump a question into the Mac and Jack's text line uh, from the 360. Do you think the Seahawks are waiting to interview the people on the last four remaining teams standing? Most definitely. Mike McDonald's. He had a farm. <laughs> All right. And the Hawks are waiting. They have to. They have to wait because... Um, You've already conducted with a, an interview with Dan Quinn, I believe a virtual with, with Vrabel as well. Um, you have to weigh out all your options. And right now, they're playing the long game, right? You got all these teams already hired their head coaches. Is you and the other dude at the Dan's waiting to see if you're going to get the guy you actually want. But that's encouraging, too, because now it makes me believe that their guy is still out there. Yeah, same. It's it's not like a, you have to make a mad dash to hire someone. And really, that's more the teams that are fighting for offensive guys because there were so many of them. Uh, the commanders are the only other remaining team with the head coach opening, and they're reportedly got their eyes set on Ben Johnson, who's the OC for the Lions. So the Seahawks can afford to take their time, assuming they want to go with a defensive guy. Like, they're not hiring. They being another team isn't hiring Dan Quinn. Uh, not, it doesn't sound like Mike McDonald, uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, Bobby Slowick, who's you know with the uh, Texans remains available. Patrick Graham, Ajiro of Evero, like all these guys remain available, and it doesn't sound like they're going to be hired by the Commanders. So they're no. all up for grabs for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are like, even if you do grab somebody, okay, there's like six other dudes. Exactly, we're good. All right. Uh, let's get to some of these candidates. We will start with Mike McDonald, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Ravens were sixth in yards, number one in points, second in turnovers, first in sacks. Amazing stuff. But, Bump, you've been watching some tape, and you've been looking at him uh, as a planner, a game planner. And it's not just these basic stats that jump out. What else does? No, nah, it's – um. It's the understanding of gap control and the intensity that the Ravens play with. I remember watching this game 
upstairs with Paul Moyer, Ray Roberts, uh, Brian Walters, Nasa Choby, the the whole squad, pre halftime and post game squad, and we're just looking at each other and we're saying. Why don't the Seahawks defense play with this type of intensity? Mm-hmm. That sideline to sideline, every hat to the football. There's only a few teams that I watch that play with that type of intensity, and that's the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. And then you mix in all the stats that you just mentioned. Um, Mike McDonald has done a great job of taking his game to the college ranks. He was the defensive coordinator for the Michigan Wolverines. They make it to uh, the college football playoff. They fall short. Then he advances. And in one year, he's got this team looking great. Um, And let's not get it twisted. Personnel means a lot. You got Smith. You got Queen over there. You got Hamilton. You got um, Humphrey. You got a Jadavion Clowney who's having a a career career year. year, His ninth year in the league. Um, All right, so let's talk about that. Clowney's been around. A couple places. He ain't never played like this before. Think about so it. when I see you getting production out of a ninth-year guy like this, that means you are locked in with him. You are communicating. He understands his job, and he believes in what he's doing. So um, he's been able to continue a, a long tradition of great defensive play over there in Baltimore. Mike McDonald is uh, he's attractive. I got some more defensive guys, and we're going to get to the name everyone has heard. Dan Quinn, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator since 2021. Now, keep in mind, he's done great things with Dallas. Yes, personnel matters. It matters with everyone, including Mike McDonald. Dan Quinn took over in 2021. Cowboys went from 28th in points the year prior to 7th, then 5th in consecutive back-to-back seasons. They went from 23rd in yards in 2020 to 19th, then 12th, then 5th. He has done amazing things with that defense. Tops in yards, tops in scoring. However also recently had a complete breakdown against the Packers. Dab- mm. Devil's advocate argument. Yeah. The Packers very nearly uh, beat the 49ers, but I'm going to toss in uh, a text here from the Mac and Jack's text line because I think it sums up how people feel, Bump. Uh, this one's from the 206. Hey, Bump and Stace, always enjoy listening to you during my lunch break. Right now, there's seven of us guys working together. We're all football fans, and we just think Dan Quinn would be bringing back the old, trying to create the old Legion of Boom, and we need to move forward. I think there's a familiarity uh, to speak to this fan that some fans don't love. If that yeah. makes sense. You know what? And, and I would look at Morris and his time with Atlanta saying Atlanta's doing the same thing. They're bringing him back, right? But time does something, right? I've been coaching football, high school football, for like 13, 14 years now. The way I prepared for a game and a practice in year one through five is different year 10 through 13. It just is, right? You You're surrounded by different voices. You coach different players. You have different talent, different quarterbacks, different linebackers, and you start to adjust who you are and how you approach things. There are some things that are still part of who I am now that were there in 2010. I am intense. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to push the tempo of practice as as much as I can. Uh, Those that follow me 13, 14 years. So I think you got to look at Dan Quinn the same way. Yeah, he's going to bring back some of the old. That's part of his attractiveness to Jody and John. They know what they're going to get out of him to a certain aspect. But then he's got to bring some of that new. He has been a couple places, seen some faces, and made some decisions. The worst part about Dan Quinn right now is that he was that last shot at the bar that you weren't supposed to take. Right? You're in a good mood. Oh, I feel good. You take that last shot, and then 15 minutes later, you're like, oh, damn. Oh, 15 minutes later, you're you're getting sick at at a dumpling restaurant. You never been me. Now, now you're saying your Irish goodbyes. I'm just gone. Like I've I've hit the point to where I got to get out of here. That's the that's the main thing with Dan Quinn. Imagine if Dan Dan Quinn, 
right, and, and the Cowboys win a couple games or in the conference championship, we feel different about Dan Quinn. I think we have the same concerns about him being too connected to Pete, but we feel better about it. He's more than qualified for the job. I understand the concerns, though. Have you ever heard of an Irish hello? No, I haven't. It's where I just don't show up. <laughs> just don't show up. <laughs> There's also some offensive names in here. Let's go to Mike Kafka, who's New York Giants offensive coordinator. The Giants were one of the worst teams offensively this right. season. However, they suffered a massive number of injuries on offense. They lost their starting quarterback and pretty much every single offensive lineman. And that started early. Like, they didn't have a chance from the start of the season. They lost a ton of guys. So teams are probably more intrigued, Bump, by 2022 when the Giants kind of found new life in the run game. Daniel Jones uh, really mixing it up with Saquon. They were fourth in rushing yards per game. This is this is the one that that's tricky because – you put together a year, you help Daniel Jones put together a year, more with his legs, right? When it comes to throwing the football, he did complete 67% of his passes in 2022, 3,200 yards, 15 touchdowns, and uh, and five interceptions. But you were more impressed with just what he did with his feet. In 2022, when he ran on the rock, he had, what, 708 yards and seven touchdowns. You put Daniel Jones back there with Saquon Barkley, you get that production, you can't ignore it. The only thing that deters me is that I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I, I think that good for him. You got your back $40 million a year. I don't think he was worth it. Mm. And this is, this is how guys are products of situations. Kafka, he gets Daniel Jones, runs the football. You got Saquon Barkley, bam, Dayball um, endorses Daniel Jones, gives him $40 million. All right. Who's connected to Daniel Jones? How, how did, how did he perform at that high level? You look at his quarterback and his offensive coordinator and say, he has something to do with it. I'm sure that he does, but I don't believe in Daniel Jones. So I, I believe in, I'm sure Kafka knows what he's doing, Yeah, but I'd, I'd go elsewhere. People also obviously looking at his time spent as quarterback coach for Patrick Mahomes. Um, I didn't save you a lot of time. So what I'll do is I'll read the four more names everyone needs to keep their eye on. And just uh, tell me which one of the four right. is kind of one you're keeping your eye on. Mike Vrabel, Bobby Slowick, who's a Houston Texans OC in his first season. Patrick Graham, Vegas Raiders defensive coordinator. And Ejiro Evero, Panthers DC. Vrabel. And Wilkes, he ain't on the list. But oh, yeah, Wilkes Steve on Wilkes. There. And Wilkes. they did interview Steve Wilkes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I didn't include him. You're listening to Bump and State. I'm a horrible person. On Seattle Sports and the <laughs> Seattle Sports app, taking a look around the NFL with Eric Edholm. He joins us next.